Hello, Star Wars and Ahsoka fans. Welcome to another episode of the Star Bros Podcast. I am joined, as always, by my bro host, Jan Solo. And I'm joined by my bro host, Ben Skywalker. Look at me just, like, getting down to business. Like, no small chat. Like, let's nope. just do this thing. We've got yep. so much to go through. But it has been, like, three weeks, so I do want to ask, mm-hmm. how you been, man? I'm What's good. I've, I've, I've been all over the place. And part of the yeah. delay in, in getting this episode out was because I was unavailable because uh, we were traveling. And That's we right. Went, we went to the UK for a week. Yeah. How was that? It was terrific. Um, you tweeted to... out a picture of uh, a road, a very specific road, I remember, related to Star Wars. No. Wasn't it, didn't, wasn't it a road? It was a road, but it had nothing to do with Star Wars. And I think I made the point to say pick unrelated. Oh. Oh, were you just in like Ewan McGregor's hometown? Was that what it was? I, I wasn't too far from there. Oh. Um, and what actually, was it? Then, well, the name of the road was Butts Wind. (laughs) (laughs) And it's that that, that's in St. Andrews, Scotland, uh, for anybody who wants to visit Butts Wind one day. But cool, cool Ewan McGregor story. So we were we weren't too far from where he grew up in a town called Creef, Scotland. And we uh, had a guy driving us around who was super cool. His name was Steve. Hi, Steve. I'm sure he's not listening. Hey, Steve. But Steve was saying, I asked him if he'd ever driven around any celebrities, and I got right down to it. And I said, have you ever driven around any Star Wars celebrities? And he said, no, but, um, you know, we're not too far from where Ewan McGregor grew up. And, you know, I've met him. I thought you were about to say, well, you are now. (laughs) No, no. No, but I have a funny story about that, too. Um, So he said, you know, we're not too far away from where he grew up, from where he was born. Um, and we, we drove through the town and actually spent a night in the town where he was born. And he mentioned that he'd met him a few times. And I was like, that's, that's pretty cool. Like, how'd you meet him? Like, I'm assuming that not everybody in Scotland knows each other. And he said, he knows the brother of a guy who was in a movie with him in the nineties before he was a big international superstar. And like, they'd hung out together a few times. And he said that he continues to be a very lovely down-to-earth guy but he said he's also met his brother have you have you heard of his brother Mm -mm. his brother is a fighter pilot in the royal air force and he goes by ob2 i like that and and he said his uh his brother is uh a very confident guy we'll say that (laughs) just my brother is ewan and i'm ob2 yeah interesting okay yeah um, well, at least, you know, now that you're only four degrees removed from Ewan McGregor, getting closer, three, four, how would you count that? Three, uh, let's say I three. I would count that one. Yeah. Okay. We'll do your one. Math. Is that just one? Uh, no, no. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, uh, I'm making it a little bit closer than it really is. But on, on, on another note, um, Jess and I were sitting outside in Edinburgh, Scotland in this neighborhood called the grass market neighborhood, which is basically like a little town square and it's cool. There's cafes and pastry shops and whatever else. And like, there's a ton of benches and people just kind of hang out and people watch. And a girl was walking by and she had her AirPods in and she was cracking up. And I said, Oh, I bet she's listening to the star bros. (laughs) (laughs) And just thought that was funny because she didn't agree. (laughs) I mean, I don't either. (laughs) Cool. But it's a funny story. I like yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> and you can always hope. You always We wish. can always we can always hope. Uh but we had a we had a terrific time. The weather was really nice. Travel was good. Um you know, you know how they always tell you not 
they they have this warning when you get on the plane of you can't smoke in a bathroom, you can't vape. Yep. We have sensors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Jess and I actually came back on separate flights and somebody smoked in the bathroom on her flight. And she said, alarms and red blinking lights go off all over the plane. Oh my gosh. And she said she was terrified. And then the captain came on over the uh, speaker and said, you know, we, we know you're smoking in the bathroom and uh, we're, we're going to come and collect your lighter and your cigarettes and whatever else. And uh, just a reminder, everybody else, you can't, you can't do this. And so it actually happens. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And I mean, it's a long flight. I get it. So, you know, somebody probably is having a really hard time managing that addiction. Can't go eight hours or something, whatever it is, six hours. You know, I can see that being really tough for them, but, uh, but you just can't, you just can't do that. (laughs) Not allowed to deep into the 21st century now. Yeah. So, uh, and then came back and went to a wedding, which was a great time in New York and then came back and worked for a few days and went back to New York again. And so I'm just really glad to stay put for a little while. Yeah. Have you been well, furniture shopping? I went furniture shopping. I was, I was just you know, on lockdown trying not to get, uh, um, get my house broken into by a fugitive of the law. That's what I was doing. <laughs> right. That was the thing here for anybody who's unfamiliar. That was like in your backyard. Yeah. So Danilo Cavalcante was his name, the escapee that it, it made national news. You know, I, um, I, I had no idea that it was going to reach that stage of when he's, uh, he was out oh, yeah. for like, what, like 14 days or something, you know, and he was in there for a pretty heinous crime too. So yeah, just recently convicted of it. Um, and you know, a week after his conviction, he's like, I want out of this joint and he finds a way and it's, it's, it was crazy, but yeah, five miles is where he dropped from my house is where he dropped off the car. Um, Oof. So, you know, it was one of those things where it was happening in like the southern part of the county. And we're like, oh, OK, that's far away. And I was like, they'll figure it out. It sounds like they're getting close. And then next thing you know, he's in he's in the town, you know, down the road from us about 20 miles. And then he leaves there and, and drops the car off five miles from my house. And we're and the whole the whole community around here was just like on lockdown. And, you know, and then the night that uh, um, he uh you know, he stole that. He found a way to steal that gun and everything. And that was next to my kids' elementary school. Oh yeah, and that's then, way too. Th- that, close that was like comfort. That was when I was just like, "All right, I'm done. This is this is too close." And and just I was where's Cad Bane when safe. you need him? Yeah, yeah. Where's I? I, I choose someone other than Cad Bane. <laughs> yeah, really? Okay. I mean, I choose him, but I mean, he's he he'd probably you know take me out with the bounty too you know i just as long as you pay him i think you're fine i would hope yeah he's he's an honorable man like that right i guess i don't know i don't want to guess um but that, that was while you were out traveling i was just on lockdown <laughs> yeah that's wild when, when um right before we left the uk uh there was a guy who escaped from a prison in london by he was i guess he was like on laundry duty or something and they have a truck that comes and brings uh clean linens or the prison mm. and somehow he, he like shimmied under the truck and held onto the bottom of it while it drove away from the prison. Yikes. Yeah. I don't know if they got him. I would hope so. Anyway, let's not dwell on stories like that. No, <laughs> <laughs> we've got a soca to talk about. And we have three and episodes to talk about three and in like and, an hour. Yeah. And we're going to take a little bit of a different 
angle on this, you could say. We're, yeah. we're not we're not going to go beat by beat and talk about everything that happens in each one of the episodes that we think is important because they're chock full of different things. What yep. are we going to do instead? We instead are going to pick some of the major themes or moments that really stood out to us and uh, and dissect them, go a little bit deeper into them. Um, yeah. Again, I've, we're figuring that everybody that's listening to, spoiler alert, like you've watched these, you know what happens in them. You don't need that beat by beat. And there's a lot of other places where you can go and get that. But we figured we just dive deep into the the things that really stuck out, uh, uh, stuck out the most to us, stuck out, yeah. stuck out the most to and us. Now you sound Scottish. No, st- <laughs> yeah. Who you went there, and, and I'm the one who came back with the accent. That's weird. Wild. Um, what? Wild. Wild. Oh, I thought you were saying another Scottish word. No. Uh, so that's what we're gonna do. Um, starting you hear with, Scottish word? I would. Yeah. That that yeah. I picked up when I was there. What is it? Tatties. What does that mean? Mashed potatoes. <laughs> okay i like it i, I love I it i, I love like it one. i'm gonna use it the rest of my life i just never would have made tatties. that connection tatties yeah okay um i don't know how to transition from that so i'm just gonna say <laughs> let's talk about time to fly <laughs> time to fly yes uh part three these so i was thinking about this by the way so the uh, different uh star wars series over the last few years have had different naming conventions for episodes mm. and they've had different themes chapters chapters parts. in the book of boba fett this one is parts what was and, andor again oh that was one other thing i did in the last time since we recorded i watched all of andor again <laughs> you rewatched it oh does yeah, it hold up it's so, it's so good it's so good yeah oh i love it so i love it um where was i going with that oh there there's like different kind of thematic vibes to each of these shows and so when mm-hmm. when it was more pronounced i think when it first started but the mandalorian started like a real western didn't it yes it did felt like it sounded no, like it even sounded like it felt like it ha- had that vibe to it um and or more of a spy show mm-hmm. more of a spy thriller type show and each of those you know has roots in different parts of cinema this one what we're calling this one uh different parts so we're going to talk about part three, part four, and part five tonight. And what did George Lucas love that Dave Filoni seems to have picked up on? Samurai movies. Mm-hmm. And there are some very samurai kind of moments in the series, especially yeah. in the showdown between Ahsoka and Balin. But we can get into that. But where, where do you want to start with Time to Fly, part three? Yeah, um, I I thought we would start with something that I think was talked about on along the interwebs and something that I picked up on was thinking a lot about. And that's the idea of um, Sabine learning to use the force and mm-hmm. who is capable of wielding it and, mm-hmm. and getting back to that. I feel like age old question amongst the fandom. Can anyone wield the force? Is anyone able to learn it? Is it something, you know, I could pick up if it mm-hmm. were possible? Um, I would love to. But uh, they address that, and they kind of go back and forth a little bit on it. But um, but I, I don't feel like we uh, um, landed in a great place with it, even within the fandom. I think there is some split opinions on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, opinions of just like, no, not anyone can can learn it, or else it's not special, or else the Jedi aren't special. Um, but I, I, as I rewatched this, I dissected it a little bit more, and um, particularly liked a, a few things. One um 
I liked how, first of all, Sabine seems to be looking for a quick way to learn it. And the whole part where she had the blind shield down, which was a great call back to, you know, episode four. Yeah. Um, or the blast shield or whatever, whatever it was called. Um, you know, she seems to kind of get there a little bit during the, the fight and it's using anger. And, and, and again, she's looking for that quick way to given the circumstance to be able to learn it. And she, therefore she's a little more tempted by the anger. We even see in the next episode in um, Fallen Jedi, like she has a moment where she seems to, out of desperation, be able to use it. Yeah. Uh, but but I guess I'm going to pause here before I get to my dissection of the ah Ahsoka conversation, but and just get your reaction to this idea of, uh, you know, anyone being able to wield the force. And again, Ahsoka explaining like, yeah, talent is a factor, but mm -hmm. she doesn't seem to lose hope in, in and Sabine be able to learn something from it, you know? Yeah, and I, I don't think she would waste her time. I don't think she's overly optimistic, though. But mm. to to step back a little bit, I think one of the things that Filoni does here is goes back to something that George Lucas has been saying since the beginning and has been saying all throughout the history of since there's been Star Wars and people have been asking him about, about it, which is that the Force is part of everything. It, it's part yeah. of yep. people who are not force sensitive and part of people who are equally. And so I, I think he started playing with that idea of Sabine being able to maybe access it because it is universal. It's, it's going through all living things. I, I kind of think of it as maybe it's like aptitude to play a difficult musical instrument. Like it just seems like some people are born being able to pick up any instrument and learning how to play it. And some people are, you know, at a point where they can become world class at it and really um, express themselves with it in a way that very few other people can. Yeah, but, but to say like the only one who can ever play the drums is the three year old prodigy that that picked up drumsticks and was able to play Wipeout on it from day one. Right, and and then therefore, and then the other drum, the other drummers came by and stole him from his parents and raised him somewhere else uh, <laughs> as an apprentice drummer. But um, nobody else is allowed to even touch a drumstick from that moment yeah, on. Yeah, I don't no, know why I, I picked the drums, but I'm just going with your analogy. No, I like that. Um, so I, I think maybe Sabine with some training and with some focus and with the right teaching, uh, and patience from Ahsoka, like maybe she can tap into it in some way. And, and maybe Ahsoka sees something that she thinks makes it worthwhile, but also to me, like in those scenes, I, I think I noticed something that, that comes out a little bit more in part five, which is like Ahsoka seems kind of down and frustrated and, um, things feel like a long shot. Like, are they going to find Ezra again? Uh, yeah. Is, is she going to sort of find her place and her mission and her cause in a way where she might be successful? Like it, she just seems like a little bit down and th this might be something that's giving her hope more so than some other things in her life right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, but what I, do you, what do you think? Could, could you potentially be kidnapped from your parents and become a Jedi one day? Well, well, no, and I think I think Ahsoka's proven that you don't have to. She's she's um, you know she admits that talent is a factor, but she almost doesn't want to admit it. She wants to believe that it's possible that it isn't the deciding factor that anybody can learn it. And then I think the key is in the co the conversation that she has with um, with Hu Yang right after that, where um, Hu Yang's kind of being a stickler in this episode and reminding her of uh, the Jedi standards, you know, and. Um, says like she's not an acceptable candidate and 
Ahsoka's quick to point out by their standards. Yang responds and says, yeah, yeah standards that were set over a millennia. Like it, these are right. the things that we learned. Um, and right. He's and always running. Says, he's always running off of two things. It's his programming and it's a thousand yeah. years of experience. Oh yeah, exactly. And he knows all, that's why she's, a, he's a really, it's really interesting to have him paired with Ahsoka. Yeah. Um, just knowing that he has all this experience built up in him and she's not the traditional Jedi. Right. Um, but you know, but then she quickly points out that uh, that the Jedi failed. Yeah, like, just because they built up all this uh, knowledge over millennia, it didn't prevent them from failing. You know, um, so there's the standards failed in her mind. Mm-hmm. Um, she, I think this is Filoni's way of using Ahsoka too to challenge our preconceived notions not of the not just of the Force but of the Jedi themselves. Yeah, and so it it stoked a little bit of um, debate within the fandom, and I'm I'm all here for it. It, it made me a little bit more open minded to. Sabine learning the force at first I was like I don't know like don't just make it so that anybody can and like shove that in there like I'm fine if she was but it didn't feel like it was progressing towards that you know yeah um and other than just picking up a, a you know being able to pick up a lightsaber and the the dark saber and then learn how to wield it like there is something there so I can see a way that she makes the connection eventually but I didn't want it to be forced just for the sake of forcing it and and this kind of opens up my mind to to it not being forced if that makes sense yeah and i like that and and you know what i worry about i worry about on their adventure balin picking up her teaching mm. Mm. could happen you never know i don't know yeah because she is giving into some of that anger and yeah frustration so she he's and, probably and maybe, gonna be like it's okay maybe balin goes well i can work with this huh. yeah he, maybe he gets a little Palpatine like and like you could be a better replacement for Shin and and just upgrades. Yeah. And and it'll keep Shin sharp to have somebody to compete with. So who knows how he thinks? Hmm. Um, we have our theories, but oh, you never know. He wants power. I can I can say that <laughs> he, he he's an interesting guy because he's not. So I was reading about this a little bit as we were prepping for the episode. He he played it. Um, and forgive me, I forget the actor's name, but he played it in a way where he didn't want him to be just, he didn't want him to be evil. He wanted yeah. him to be a principled character whose principles conflict with the good guys, but he's not out purely for evil. Yeah, I would agree. I I, I literally just had a, I searched him beforehand, so I was trying to see if I could remind myself of his name before. Ray Stevenson. Um, Ray Stevenson. Oh, dang it. We got it at the same time. Um, anyway, what were we talking about with, with Balin? <laughs> we were, we were just talking about how, um, wouldn't it be wild if he picked up Sabine's training while they're yeah, on their uh, yeah. journey? It's possible. I mean, he, he seemed to be very, um, I don't know. We're, we're getting a little bit into the next episode of the bit, but again, we don't follow the rules here. Nope. I called that out for him too. I was like, he, his delivery of that character is so spot on. And like, it yeah. just, it makes it even more tragedy every time you watch his performance to know that we won't be able to get a double take of this. Yeah. Um, we'll find out if we even will, if, we, if he makes it through the season, but, um, but I just keep thinking like how great of an adversary he is, but also how I, I don't really buy into him as an adversary. There's a line that he and, says in the next episode in uh fallen Jedi, where he says me for me, it's to serve a greater good. Yeah. He does not see himself the villain. He does not come across as somebody easily that sounds or looks like a villain. 
other than his lightsaber is kind of tinted closer to red than blue. Right. Right. <laughs> that that's usually a good sign. Um, yeah, two two reflections on Balin, thinking back to other movies and other media. One of them, if you've ever seen The Usual Suspects, at the end of it, there's a really good line. Um, and this is not a spoiler, but you know, the movie came out in 1997 or something. So um, it's out there if you want to watch it. At the end of it, the narrator talking about the the great villain in the movie says something to the effect of, you know, the greatest trick that the devil pulled was convincing people that he didn't exist. Mm. And another one. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's that that's a little bit Balin, right? Um that's a, a little bit. If you reflect on it a little bit, um, you know, it's it's he's not coming across as a purely evil character. And so then therefore, like Sabine in a situation where he's telling her to trust him is maybe a little bit more susceptible to that than if he was just blatantly evil. Um, and then the, the other one is uh, Mr. Glass in mm. the epic movie Unbreakable by yeah. M. Night Shyamalan. Mr. Glass is committing all kinds of atrocities in the name of making a superhero reveal himself to counter the atrocities. Like he's trying to bring a superhero into the world mm -hmm. by harming people. Yeah. Um, so these, these are like twisted morals, twisted logics. Um, and I wonder if Balin's got his own set of twisted principles and morals and things like that. Well, I think, and again, we're still learning a lot about his character, but I think, I mean, he, we know that he knew Anakin now. We yeah. know that he is aware of Ahsoka and, and her past. Um, we don't know exactly who he is or how he got there, nope. but we, we know, and, and Hu Yang, we know Hu Yang knows him. Yeah. Um, which means that he grew up a Padawan. He grew uh, up a Padawan. He has his own disciple slash Padawan slash apprentice now. Maybe yeah, he doesn't it, use those words following but they were following the jedi order or the jedi and something like i think he he believes that the greater good is bringing apart to pass a new jedi order that doesn't have all the faults that both ahsoka saw mm. that he saw that led to the rising of anakin that um i i think he just sees what he's doing as good yeah i, I think he really believes in it and he does stuff like when he tells he tells Sabine that he won't harm her if yeah. if, he, if if she hands over the map, and yeah. then he keeps his word. Yeah, like li little things like that. They're all consistent in a way, um, but again, maybe it's a twisted logic, twisted principles. But he's sticking to them. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, he's an intriguing character, and it's it's so fun to watch him. I again, I just hope that we keep getting a little bit more of him because. I feel like there's more to uncover with who, he, what his backstory is or, or how we got to be. And is he truly evil or is this just like one of those uh, gray zone places where, you know, you, you've got, and this would be perfect as an an antithesis to Ahsoka, who's kind of the gray Jedi uh, genre, you know, yeah, um, to kind of have this kind of gray nomad, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of the antagonist. Yeah, to, to square off with it, it's a little bit I think up until part five, it's a little bit gray on gray and he's a yeah. little bit dark gray. Exactly. 
Um, <laughs> but in, and here's an interesting thing I, I read about, uh, you know, again, looking at some of the background stuff. So Peter Ramsey directed the next episode and he gave some insight into what it was like to work with Ray Stevenson. And he said that him and Filoni met to talk about the episode and Filoni and 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 um, and Peter Ramsey agreed that they don't want to see Balin fight like a normal Jedi. Mm. Instead, they want him to fight more like a knight. And if if you see like the lightsaber battle that. between Ahsoka and Balin Skull, he does a lot of like overhead chopping where he like brings the lightsaber yes. down. Yes. Like he's swinging a sword. Yes, and they I said noticed that. Specifically, they wanted it to be a little bit of a bigger lightsaber. And what they told him, I guess, to picture was that he was holding a giant knight's sword that's called a claymore. And he was swinging that around rather than the lightsaber. Hmm. So there, there's something like there's something different about him. I think that lended well to like his physicality because he looks like he's a big dude or, or was a big dude. Yeah. Um, but I think that there's just something a little bit different about him. Like there's a, a, a branch off the tree of the Jedi order that he's trying to establish to be the new way that they're going. Yeah. Yeah. Can, I couldn't disagree more. Um, and it couldn't it, it, disagree more. I couldn't agree more. That's what I meant. Okay. I couldn't agree more. I don't know. I fundamentally it's, it's best dislike your everything. Bedtime, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> I hate everything you said. Move on. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. My bad. Um, I I can't. But is there anything else with time to fly though that we want to talk? Because we're kind of bleeding into the next yeah, episode a little bit. R- real quick, maybe just a couple things to touch on. Because yeah. in, in our pre-show, um, which is what Ben and I don't record before we start recording, we we're, we're talking goodness, about you burped really loudly in this one. You did. Stop trying to blame me. <laughs> As I drink my uh aha. Uh-huh. (laughs) Okay. Uh Let's get... Uh Uh-huh. Please, let's be serious. (laughs) This is a very serious show. What are we thinking about here? One of the things that also stood out to me from Time to Fly was Hera's conversation with the committee. Yes. When she has to approach them, make her pitch to say... Hey, there's this connection here with what we saw at the shipyards and potentially the return of Grand Admiral, Admiral Thrawn. And I want your your buy-in, Mr. and Mrs. Committee members, to go and make sure that that doesn't happen to our fragile new republic. Mm-hmm. And they're they're not buying it. And one one of the digs that I really like in that conversation, and part of it is like they're bureaucratic, they don't have enough resources, they're skeptical, they're thinking, hey, aren't aren't you just trying to go and find Ezra? And yeah. she has a really rough comeback for Senator, I think Ziono is how you say his name. Yeah, yeah. And she she calls him out and says, like, didn't you just sit back and see who would come out on top? referring to the conflict not all that long ago between the empire and the rebels and and just like, yeah when we started with that was like did you ever fight in the war yeah no he sat it out and he's he was like very clear like i know where you're going this and you're gonna one-up me and i'm gonna say no i'm just sit back and yep. take it and hope that somebody else comes and saves my back <laughs> yeah and that that's that's what the good guys are truly up against. And and that makes it really tough when you have to deal in this bureaucracy. And we see in the later episodes that she kind of works around a little bit, but 
I thought that was worth calling out. But I also wanted to mention that this this episode is when Hu Yang, I think, for the first time mentions that Sabine and Ahsoka really need to stick together. You always do better when you're together. Please stick together. Uh, that's the next episode, you mean? or uh, Isn't it in Time to Fly? No, that's in Fallen Jedi. That's the next okay. one. Okay. Well, then yeah, that's yeah. our but transition. Good, that, that's a good connection point. No, no, no. I, I want to keep talking about that. Okay. Don't, don't transition me too soon. That was a great, great point. Okay. Um, okay. Come on, man. First of all, isn't it great to see Mom Mothma as Chancellor? Yeah. Like, that was that was a cool little treat. Yeah, I felt. absolutely. Um, but I, I guess uh, the main thing that I kind of wrote, thought with this is um, they're really doing a good job with the Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett and everything that's kind of taking place in this time frame to show the, the state of the New Republic. And it's not good. Um, and, and you didn't expect it to be. It's like there, you've got a, a a new order that's trying to establish itself with power and trying to, you know, be different from the last one to be less tyrannical, right? And like, yeah. um, you know, get back to some some of those key freedoms and in doing so, it's it's going to be rough. It's going to be difficult, and there's going to be people who remember both sides that are going to either say, you know, this is better, this is worse. It's it's not going to be a smooth transition. Right. Um, and so we're, we're seeing that play out. Um, I think what I struggle with the most in this interaction is that the senators themselves, the ones that you've chosen to lead, don't seem to know what they're doing or don't seem to be fully bought into it. And I, and I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if we find some empire loyalists in the midst of some some of these senators that were on this committee. That one in particular, that um, Ziono, or yeah, uh, you know, I, I think I, I think it would be surprising if one of them wasn't. Um, so I'm that's why I'm holding my breath for that because I think that'll actually happen. I, I think that's spot on. I think there's probably still remnants of the empire in the Senate. And I think there's just like Ziono was waiting for the conflict between the rebels and the empire to play out. I think he's probably him and some others are waiting to see is this, is this new Republic thing going to stick? And and if it yeah. is, I want to get a seat at the table now and have a little bit of power, but if it's not like I just in case I want to keep my options open. And so it yeah. feels very fragile. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you do see how seeds of the new order um could plant themselves anywhere amongst this like absolutely to either sow discord or at least to get away with it while the fledging new republic just can't seem to figure out what it's doing i mean leave it to feloni and all the other architects of this time period um to uh favreau included to, to bridge the gap between um the fall of the empire and the rise of the new order. Right. Yeah. Um, or the first order. I mean, I keep saying new order. I mean, first order. I know what um, you mean. But so anyway, um, yeah, it was, that was a great, uh, great series. That was a great episode too. I mean, we, we were introduced to Jason, which was really special. Yep. Um, to, to finally be able to meet, meet him. Little Ooh, green hair, Jason. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, uh, He's perfect. I, I really like him so far. And it was a short um, episode. It was only like was a short if, one. If if you cut out the opening and the credits, it's only about thirty minutes. Yeah, it was pretty short. Yeah, e each um, one of these episodes that we're talking about gets progressively longer. By the way, they do. That's right. And they're they're each about the ten minutes longer <laughs> than the last one. Um. Well, before we move on, I mean, this is one of the best dog fights I think we've seen uh, who, in who, any Star Wars. Whoever thought we'd get a live action dog fight? going between purgle tentacles <laughs> that, 
not me. <laughs> not me. That was pretty cool. Um, but also who Yang was just amazing in this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. David Tennant has been wonderful. Um, definitely one of the standout performances. Um, there, there's another one uh, that I want to mention when we get to it in, in uh, part five. But yeah, he's been terrific. Okay. And and just that we, we talked about this in our last episode, but the way that they set up his eyes to be expressive through the oh, eyelids that are gosh, like set yes. in his face. Yes. He, he, he doesn't have a lot of movement to him, but that's enough. It's enough to communicate all different types of emotions and they do it so well. We've talked about that so many times on the show, like the ability to find new ways of making, uh, making droids emote. And that has, has got to be one of the best so far. You know what that reminded me of though? Well, mm. we, the one, um, all right, everybody sit down. If you're not sitting down, um, <laughs> you remember the star Wars holiday special. <laughs> I do remember the cartoon going, the cartoon where they go to Boba Fett's Chef Boyardee tomato sauce ocean planet with the Loch Ness monster. Still, I'm still trying to block it out, man. <laughs> but keep going. C3PO's eyes blink a weird way in that cartoon. Oh Remember? yeah, yeah. They, uh, they at, at they at the the there's like at the bottom of his eye, it open his eyelids open up like a V. Oh really? Yeah, and they I, sort of opening close. Yeah, like inset, like where his eyeballs would be. And I, I wonder if they went back and looked at that and said, like, hey, if we kind of like turn that, that's actually kind of cool. Yeah. Better Maybe. that, better that than them going back and saying, you know what? We need a tomato sauce ocean <laughs> and a lot sure, of I'm sure Floney's trying to find a way to get that in there somehow. Potentially. Like, he, look, he got little starting with the eyes. ice cream maker in there. So, yes. Give him uh, time. That, that was actually Favreau. Um, credit where it's due. Yes. But, yeah, okay. exactly. Well, let's um, go to part four. That one was called Fallen Jedi. And we've Why? already covered half of it. Why was it called Fallen Jedi? Yeah. Balin. Right? It's not because Ahsoka falls off the cliff. Or, or Ahsoka falling off a cliff. Yeah, there could be either of them. <laughs> there, there could be uh, a lot of reasons. Yeah. Or or based on who is the, the last person, the last face that we see in this episode. Who's, la- who's the last face that we see? Anakin. What? I mean, he's a fallen Jedi. Yeah, you're right. But redeemed. Yeah, like that's his final title. But he at one point, he was a fallen Jedi. He was. Okay. <laughs> so I already, already mentioned that Peter Ramsey, Oscar winner Peter Ramsey, directed this episode um, and has spoken to the media about it. One of the things that I thought he said that that one of the things that I know that he said that I thought was really interesting was Filoni sent him the script and here's what he said back. He said, Dave, man, you gave me a foolproof episode. Okay. And in his words, he said, everything has to fall apart for it to be compelling in the end. And he felt like this is the episode where things really start to fall apart. Yes, absolutely. And each one of these episodes too, for me, gets like a little bit more cinematic and mm. this is the one I think where they really lean into what feels like a Jedi movie, not Jedi, a samurai movie where there's a lot of buildup that leads to an epic sword battle. And we get that with Ahsoka and Bailiff Balin finally squaring off. Mm-hmm. But what were some of your main things from this episode? I want to talk about the world between worlds and some other stuff, but what else jumps out at you? 
Well, uh, I mean, the main theme of this one is stay together. Uh, and it's a great line that Hu Yang delivers. And as soon as I heard him say it, I was like, okay, this is... That's not going to happen. This is the... Well, I was thinking first, this is the theme of this episode. Whatever yeah. happens from here, it's either going to be because they did or did not stay together. Yeah, that's a good and call. And as it played out, and they did not stay together, um, I, I think the events unfolded the way that we all expected. Yeah. Not well for the heroes. It yeah. fell apart. Yeah. Um, I, like, I know that if they stayed together, like... Like once Ahsoka dispatched uh, um, Maroc, mm -hmm. she should have run over there, taken care of Shin, and then the two of them go and, and stop Balin. Like it would have worked out perfectly. Yeah, who Yang would have been right and be able to say, "I told you so." Yep, and and, and you know he would have loved that crying at the beginning. Yeah, exactly. He wouldn't have been less crying at the beginning of the next episode. Like morning. Oh, yeah, he literally was. Like his eyelids were like very small. You remember? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so that that's what stuck out to me. I mean, it just just the fact that as soon as he said that, like, and and more importantly, you saw the power of the two of them together at the very beginning. Yeah. Like when they took off, uh, took uh, um, went up against all those uh, um, marauders or you know henchmen. Uh, I mean, it was like child's play for them, but they they did it so eloquently like the choreography of that scene was just perfect it was great it yeah was exciting you know and, you saw their power together and and on their way there um there was a moment where sabine runs down and she's doing the tail gunning work and they're they're getting followed and they're not really communicating all that well right and finally ahsoka says something like sabine what do you need because Sabine was sort of barking mm -hmm. orders and saying, like, you know, do this, do that. Um, Ahsoka was focused on where they were going and being evasive and whatever. But when when she asked her, hey, what do you need? How can we how can I help you from up here? And they started working together. Things started to really click. Yeah. And that that totally followed through to this episode. Yeah. And just everything about their different, even down to the weapons, their fighting styles, everything else is complementary to one another. Mm -hmm. and yeah you sort of you see that fall apart a little bit here yeah and um i mean they they do well by themselves in the battles that they're absolutely in, right? like Ahsoka takes care of Morocco, and it was really cool like you know kind of confirmed his identity was there was a lot of people like going off like oh that Morocco is a um ezra in disguise or something you know like coming up with these crazy theories yeah. i won't say that i wasn't one of them at one point but anyway mm -hmm. um <laughs> i was i i'll admit it i i was at one point it was like maybe maybe he is you don't just cover now, up his face a, for no reason it's a cool theory but then i think the the result was even cooler it was like oh no it was it was a um a corpse that was bewitched by by the night by a night using night sister magic like that definitely a, cool. cre a creepier outcome yeah just yeah. in time for Halloween, everybody. Yeah, and and just the way that Ahsoka dispatches them the same way that Obi Wan dispatches uh, Maul. Yeah, it's just like it's just so well perfectly executed. Yeah, um, that whole sequence. But um, another thing I picked up too in the sequence was Sabine's. I mentioned Sabine's small moment with the Force, um, and we talked about the last time how anger kind of helped her in the moment, right? In this case, it wasn't anger. But you could kind of see desperation settling in on her face, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And so 
I, I think what it was, was hope. Um, that classic theme of Star Wars coming into place, hope to survive um, and using the force to kind of help her mm. in her demise, um, to not suffer the same fate that she did the last time she was facing off against Jin. Yeah. Um, like she was a bit prideful in that moment. Like I got, I can take her. I, I know what I'm doing yeah. and really wasn't like here. She was kind of on her way to meeting a similar fate and was able to, to find hope to, to just take a, a small moment and push her arm backwards. Yeah. That was, that was my theory at least. Did you have any theories on that? Yeah, I can see that. Um, I, th- I think like moments of desperation are really clarifying. Um, you can't, you can't think like it, it when, when you're in a desperate, like you're in a fight like that, you're in a desperate moment. Like your mind doesn't wander. You don't think like, Oh, did I leave the stove on at home? or anything (laughs) and you know there's this long tradition in star wars of clearing your mind to be able to better connect with the force and unclouding Mm. your thoughts and so on Mm -hmm. and if if she had that moment of desperation and turned into a moment of hope of hey i've been working at this maybe this will work for me now then i could see her potentially tapping into it in a healthy way for the first time Um, yeah so maybe maybe it was one of one of those things but um yeah, you, you do. It's a, she's learning. It's it's a shame because you see a glimmer of what's possible before, right. before the wheels really come off. Well, until she she realizes that she doesn't need that to help her in this situation. She could just use her Mandalorian tools. Yeah. Uh, and and that was just as effective, you know? And pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else do you want to talk about with this episode? Um, you know, I, I wanted to mention really quickly with the map. And okay. there's the world between worlds that we see in this episode. Right. But there's something from legends and I can't remember where it first popped up and I'm not even sure if I know where it first popped up, but it was this idea of the intergalactic void. Mm -hmm. And it was sort of like the world between worlds is independent of time and space and everything else as we know it. The intergalactic void is the depths of space between galaxies and in this case morgan elsbeth and team are gonna have to travel through the void to get to the next galaxy and the danger is if you somehow get stuck in the void then your nav systems have nothing to orient to right and there's like no way to get back i mean that makes sense for what we eventually see it's between time and space Right. And so you see the I, international I, hole of pancakes as this episode. Is yes. <laughs> yes. Nice. So I thought Sorry. it was cool that you see Ahsoka go off into the world between worlds while Sabine is being dragged through the intergalactic void on the way to a different galaxy. And for a moment there, like these two complementary heroes are in complementary intergalactic what's it called intergalactic house of pancakes intergalactic hole of, hole of, pancakes. of pancakes yeah yeah they're both they're no, both inter- in their own interdimensional IHops. interdimensional I interdimensional hole of pancakes <laughs> yeah they're yeah. both in a different type of ihop in a different type of situation if you listen to this podcast and you still haven't seen the good place right now to get that reference by now i i don't know what else to do for you to convince you to see the show so anyway or, or, that's, my, that's my side Sidebar, I'm done. <laughs> if you listen to this podcast and, and you skipped ahead because you thought maybe we were still doing in the news and you just put it on and you heard us talking about the inter- interdimensional <laughs> hole of pancakes, I won't blame you for being totally lost. 
Yeah, it, exactly. <laughs> Me neither. Speaking of news, though, did you read that article I sent you about Donald Glover and, and Lando possibly being a movie? Yeah, I did read it. Yeah, good article, e- right? Exciting news, exciting. yeah. Anyway, let's back to Ahsoka. <laughs> yeah, shall, shall we go to chapter five? Yes, in just two seconds, there was just one more thing. I mean, this was just a fantastic, fantastic episode all the way around. I mean, you know, Jason proving that Jason is foreign sensitive with the yes, um, he's got a bad feeling comment. Um, Carson Teva being back. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Anakin, the surprise at the end, even just the transition to the to the world, like going from the ocean to the stars like that was yeah. just something of beauty there. Um, oh, oh. And then confirming the history of Sabine and her family dying in the siege of Mandalore, mm. um, the night of a thousand tears like yeah. that. Um, that was a pretty intense moment and helped you really understand you know, where her head was at the beginning of this, yeah. um, this season and, and like why things fell apart with Ahsoka too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, there is e- even that whole montage of how Balin was able to convince her to give him the, the map um, was fantastic. You know, just so good. he kind of just, just it, like riding a bike for him. He just breathed and was like, all right, I'll convince you to give me this thing. And mm-hmm. oh, he pulled out every punch he could. It was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, just want all the amazing, um, you know, lightsaber battles. It was just a fantastic episode. Probably my favorite of them all so far. Really? Okay. Um, yeah. By the way, quick sidebar. Um, I'm I'm one of apparently a lot of people who has more often been watching TV with the subtitles on, especially a show like this. Oh yeah, I don't think you're alone in that. That's for sure. No, no. I just I saw something on TV on Friday. I think about how. Like some of it was like, oh, well, some people have their sound settings to surround sound when they don't have a surround sound system and it makes it harder to hear the dialogue. Um, Yeah, but I don't think that's me. Um, But one of the things I really like about it is there are descriptors in in the um, text at the bottom that say things like music becomes enchanting. Like, oh, (laughs) what does that mean? Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, what, what is the message there? And so I think for me, it's kind of adding to it. Um, and there was some enchanting music moments at the, at, in, in this episode. Yeah. Um, I would have to watch the subtitles to actually pick them up again. I, I don't know if I can point and say like, yeah, that's a moment. Do you remember yeah. when it was? Um, let me get back to you. Never. Sorry. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Basically, what you're saying is if you want to figure it out, go watch it yourself with the subtitles. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because um, when when we watched this most recent episode and uh, there's a big lesson in it, I remember messaging you and I was like, I don't I don't know that I got the lesson. And you were like, we'll watch it again. Oh, cool. did I say that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that curtly, too. I could find the message. You, you chatted me something like, well, you just need to watch it again. Okay. I, I don't think I meant it like that. If I did, I think I was just like, maybe I thought I said something like maybe it'll like become clear on a second watch. Cause I said I needed to watch it again too. All right. I'll go, I'll go back and look when I go back and see what enchanting music <laughs> I'm, played. I'm pulling it up while, uh, while we're talking and you'll figure this out. To see I if think I just what you wrote was, well, I think you need to watch it again. You dummy. <laughs> probably that sounds more like me um one more thing with this episode, okay. and then we actually will move on 
Um, I thought saw a lot of debate on Sabine's decision to give it back to her. Basically, like, did she cause the downfall of the New Republic in that moment right there? Yeah, it, it was basically a. Um, I I I related to a Star Lord moment of like when Star Lord found oh, out. Oh yeah, that, good one. Um, that uh, uh, Thanos had killed Gamora. Yeah, and he just starts like wailing on him, and like their whole plan just goes to waste yeah um i i just that i thought about it in that moment i was just like yeah he's uh, uh she's pulled us a, a bit of a star lord and kind of screwed everybody but it, that was kind of the reaction out there but um but i also don't blame her yeah in that moment like she's probably calculating in her head like if i destroy this right now i'm dead right you know and maybe that's a sacrifice she, she should she's be willing dead. to make there's basically no chance of ever finding ezra yeah and so it's not entirely selfish. Like she does genuinely want to find this guy. Yeah. But is that okay though? Is that okay that, that she lets those it's, desires it, trump the, her duty in that moment? The the two of them, Sabine and Balin both have their own rules, their own sets of logic, their own principles that they're working within the context of. Mm-hmm. And neither of them, both of them are, are, are different shades of gray in this situation. Mm. Okay. And so it works in her mind. She struggles with it. She yeah. really struggles with it. I don't, I don't blame her for the decision she made. I just, the yeah. debate was happening. I'm just like, okay, it's interesting. She did have a, a moment here where she made a decision. We're all like, oh, don't do it. You shouldn't do it. But, you know, I don't know if she had a choice. And, and, and I don't, were you surprised? Oh, absolutely not. Because right, I mean, partly because I know we're getting thrown. <laughs> right. Um, we got to get him at some point and somehow. So we were going there, no matter what. Yeah. But the the decision that Sabine is faced with in that moment. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think she made the right one. I, I, you know, f- lose this battle, fight the next one. Yeah. That's kind of the way I think she's thinking about it. That that's a really good way. That's a really practical way of thinking of it. I I, th- I think if that's it, then then I owe her, I owe her more credit. I think I think we all do. Yeah. Again, like Ahsoka's gone. You'll be gone if if yeah. uh, if if you follow through with shooting this thing. There's, <laughs> I don't yeah. know. It just makes sense for her to just you know keep going and fight the next battle and fight the next day. Yeah. Live to fight another day. That's the phrase. Anyway. Speaking of which, um, also in this episode, uh, Ahsoka loses her battle with Balin, gets thrown off the cliff into the ocean, wakes up in the world between worlds, sees Anakin, calls her snips. Beautiful. Mm. And such a great moment. Yeah. And finds out that she lost that battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the way, another another behind the scenes thing, real quick. But then we can transition into uh, part five. Okay. Peter Peter Ramsey said that you know they shot the whole thing. He said, that "Did you have a conversation Chris- with them over the weekend or something?" You, you I did. You, I did. You've been pulling out a lot of good things with Peter. I did. Um, I I hid in his closet. He came home from work. <laughs> he said, not- "Who are you?" And I said, "Look, I have fifty or so questions, and then I'll leave." Um, <laughs> just kidding. I don't know where he lives, and I'm not going to try to find out. Um. Uh, he did an interview. Okay. He did an interview and I read it and he, he said that he worked with Hayden. He was a delight. He said that he was just 
really into it. Um, he said he handed over all the, the footage and he said it came back from editing and they had de-aged Aiden Christensen. Mm-hmm. And he said that that was never discussed and he didn't know that was coming. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But I would imagine that they discussed that in the prior or for the next episode. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they, huh. they yeah, um, they must have at some point. But uh, so he said I he said he was sort of speculating because apparently he hasn't seen the other scripts and where the story's going and whatever. Right. And he said, you know, that might be more important than just sort of like making him be a certain age that he was when he was uh, like little Ahsoka's Jedi master. There, there might be more to that, but he said he's not sure. I think there was, I think let's get to it now. All the places that they went to and, and the memory specifically that, uh, ahsoka has of him is mostly during the clone wars so yeah it makes sense to bring that version of him back yeah and again this is the world between worlds so any version of him could come back technically true um, any any portal that they would open up would lead to a different version of a Ahso- of uh, anakin so yeah yeah bring back the one that's you know most familiar to us most familiar to her yeah anyway can can i point something out about um, not about the lesson, but, uh, but about Ahsoka, you're shaking your head. No, but I'm just going to go with it because <laughs> I think we're going to, we're going to dig into the lesson a little bit here, but yes. um, something that happens to Ahsoka over the course of this episode. And I think over the course of the last few episodes is we, we feel Ahsoka, I think maybe being down a little bit, maybe mm-hmm. being a little bit or very much the gray Jedi or the I'm not a Jedi. Mm-hmm. And the end of her time in the world between worlds, she goes back into the water and then mm-hmm. she emerges from the water. And then when she awakens on her ship, she goes from wearing a gray outfit to being wrapped in a white robe. Hmm. Interesting, right? Mm-hmm. First of all, it gave them it, it it's interesting to think about some of that in terms of um I'll just I'll go there for a second, but like in terms of like Christianity, right? Going into water and coming back out and then being white and the, the idea of it being like cleansing, right? It's and, ba- it's, it's like baptism. a baptism. It's like yeah. a baptism, and this is kind of what this is, right? Yeah. Um old old Ahsoka sort of being died. reborn. Yeah. I think I think so. And we'll get to that in more ways than one, actually. But and it's really I, I actually that you picked up on that. I think that's part of the reason why when she wakes up and she asks Hu Yang, how long have I been out? He says, only, only one day, one, yeah. one, one rotation. Rev- yeah. Not, not from like a good Friday to Sunday. For yeah. Example. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we want to dispel that there's a parallel there. Right. Um, so she, she's, she's being reborn, but she's not necessarily messianic. Yeah, I I think you're right there for sure. Um, this isn't, and yeah, then a whale eats her. <laughs> I did make some connections to Jonah while we were watching. It was like it's just Jonah and the whale. So he, so Filoni so, goes yeah. from straight samurai to he's old like, and New Testament. He's he's mixing like Buddhism and and uh, totally. Christianity all in one. Um, it's great. No, but I think uh, I, I think it's really interesting that you reach some of those conclusions, and I'll, I I reached a similar one, but with different hints. 
Okay. And so it's really interesting to hear you're the ones that you reach, but, but I, we got to go through the lesson first and how she got there. Okay. If you don't mind. So I wrote a lot of this down and I'm going to read some of it because it took me so a little bit to dissect it. And I kind of kept pausing and going back and thinking about it, but, yep. um, but I kept thinking about Anakin's lesson um, that, you know, right at the beginning that he says, you have a chance to live. Like, it's good that you remember now that means that you have a chance. Um, and the lesson being live or die. And you're like, okay, so what, how is this going to come about? Um, so, I mean, we get a beautiful montage of Ahsoka going back into her memories, into the, one of their first battles together in the clone wars. Um, by the way, I got, I got to give, and I, I'm sorry, I don't know the actress's name, but the Ariana something. Yep. The actress, Ariana. Ariana, who plays little Ahsoka, is so good in this. She's so good. And I just watched Barbie this weekend, and apparently she's in that one too. So I'm like, no I way. just had a weekend full of watching her. It was, no way. It was, okay, cool. it was weird. Um, and then she's also, as you sent me the, the thing for um, Gamora in 2018. Yeah. Like, and she was great in that. <laughs> she was great in that too. Like, awesome. Um, Love it. She, maybe she grows up and plays Gamora now that we won't get uh, Zoe Saldana. I'd be okay with that. Yeah. I'd be okay with that. Recast awesome. her. Anyway, um, no. So she's, uh, yeah, she was fantastic. And that was a great surprise to anybody. I feel like this was just a, a love letter to um, anybody who's into the both animated series, Clone Wars it, it and took Rebels. took you right back into it. You get to see Rex. You get to see little snips running around, all that good yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, but I think we're starting to get a little bit of the lesson in there. First of all, like in her going back to the Clone Wars times, we see um, she relives a little bit of the uh, challenges that she's facing with with where she is. Um, and so I wrote it down. I said, the lesson is this. When war comes, you can't run from it. it is, um, it's natural to want to, uh, but it always comes and finds you anyway. So you only have one choice to fight, to survive or die. I mean, mm. I hate to relate to recent events and existing events, but think about the war in Ukraine right now. Yeah, like, that, that, and, that's a fair parallel. And everything that we were kind of going through as we thought through like th- another war being on hand and, and like none of these people wanted that, but they don't have a choice. It's at their doorstep. Their yeah. only choice is to fight or die Yeah, and try to survive. And that's, I think, what Ahsoka is being faced with. Like she went through her whole entire training at a young age, idealizing um, what it meant to be a Jedi. Yeah. And it came through folklore, through textbooks. Like she had this, this view of what it was and, and she was one of the most gifted, gifted at the time, but she was gifted in the way of being a soldier. And so they, they pulled her out of that idealized world and thrust her into the clone wars. Yeah. Tough place for a, for a child. And so she just naturally always wanted to run from that. And that really came across for me. So I rewatched this episode today. And I think something that like really like hit me was when you see little Ahsoka running through the Clone Wars, it does it does sting a little bit. Like you feel for her as a kid, yeah, in a battlefield with yeah. like explosions and um, clones who are injured, and she's holding the hand of one of them, and she's a kid running through the battlefield. Like, yeah, that's got to be traumatizing in a way. Like that, that that's really got to shake your foundation while you're like in the process of idolizing um, you, Anakin and, and, and the Jedi order and so on. Um, but I, I actually, I took the, the lesson a little bit differently. 
I, well, I'm st- I'm not done, but keep going. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I, I took your advice and I rewatched the episode, like you told me to. <laughs> <laughs> and I t- no, but keep going, and and then and then I'll um I'll tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> no, you can you can interject here. I'll finish up in a second. I was just making sure you knew that I wasn't done. <laughs> Got it. Um, okay. So one one of the things that I thought was really important was at the very end, after we kind of go through all the flashbacks, and we end up back in the world Uh oh i lost john i'm back here i am sorry (laughs) what happened weird so we go through the flashbacks we end up in the world between worlds again at the very end where you see anakin coming out and and he's sort of flashing between anakin and being darth vader oh so beautiful and sabers clash again and there's all this frustration and anger and just all these bad vibes building up and his eyes sort of transpose onto Ahsoka's eyes and her eyes turn red for a moment. Did you pick up on mm-hmm. that? I didn't No. And she sort of makes a choice when she has the opportunity to overpower him to throw her saber off the side. And then he sort of cools off a little bit and then her eyes go back to a normal color. And so do his. Hmm. And so I think, I think the lesson was a couple of parts. I think you're right that it was kind of, Hey, the war's at your doorstep and you have a choice here and giving in his death and fighting gives you a chance to live. But the other crossroads that she was at was, you know, different types of giving in and some of them lead to the dark side. Yeah. And, yeah. and you might go that way if you don't have a commitment to the hope, the light, the stuff on the good side. So I picked up on a very similar thing, and I'm glad I let you you keep going with that because that's exactly where I was going. That she um, she sees the signs of the path that she's on, then it's and it's a double edged sword. On one side, mm-hmm. she dies; she doesn't mm-hmm. fight, and she dies. Yeah. Um, on the other side, she loses everything good in her. Um, while fighting and ends up on the other side so either way it's an unfavorable outcome um and and it kind of rings back to that that line that balan said that and and it's it's hinted at here a little bit when i think um they talk about legacy and balan says like your legacy with anakin is one of the same death and destruction Mm. so you know she's she is legitimately worried that she's going to fall on the other side of that that sword and and doesn't see how she can kind of balance between these two worlds. Mm. And, and this flashback is just um, is just reaffirming some of that. Um, but I think what she eventually learns through the, the, the argument that she has with Anakin and then eventually fighting the evil version of him, um, she eventually learns that she isn't destined for the same fate as Anakin. That um, yes, as, uh, as, she, um, when she bests the evil version of Anakin, she says, I choose to live. And I thought about that. I was like, okay, so what's the point there? But there are the two key words in that. The first one is live. And that was the lesson that Anakin was trying to teach all along was that meaning that she knows that in war, you have to fight to survive. Mm-hmm. And then the second key word, and that is choose. Mm-hmm. But that means that she has a choice to live out that their shared legacy differently than Anakin. Is. She doesn't have and to she- become him. Exactly. She doesn't have to. And she's finally realized that in that moment, I am not going to become the worst of him just because I'm part of this, this Jedi order that has um, yeah. produced him fallen. That has produced him. Exactly. Yeah. Um, 
And in that moment, I'm thinking, is she willing to accept herself, accept that she's a Jedi again? And this is where I get back to what you just said. Like she wakes up wearing white. That's one sign. Mm -hmm. My other sign is a little bit deeper than that. You had to think if you missed it, I don't blame you. But she, um, when she was talking to Jason or uh, talking to Hera and or needed to talk to Hera and um, Hera was saying, you know, Jason, go, go into the ship real quick or something. Jason's like, I've seen it a lot of starships. Is it how she refers to it? She goes, a Jedi starship. Uh huh. Um, she's nicer she, when she comes back too. She's smiling. She's she smiling. Yeah. Yang on the shoulder. She's a little bit more attentive to Jason too, and realizing, oh, I, I actually I wrote down. Yeah, she I, like she gets down on his level. Yeah, I think Jason's going to become himself as a real Padawan. Oh, I th- I think oh. it's setting it up because they mentioned in this at one point she says something like, "Am I ha- going to have to teach my Padawan nothing but how to be a soldier?" Yeah, I was like, "Oh, Jason's going to be the Padawan." By the way, um, I got my phone out and I found the text messages. What did I say? So at seven thirty-six p.m., I said, "I did." What really... day did? I... What day? I forget what day. I think I watched it Wednesday. The record needs to be made clear. What day? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I wrote. I didn't really get what the lesson was. To be honest, seven thirty-six p.m. Eight oh seven p.m. Sounds like you need to watch it again to get the lesson then. Ha. (laughs) (laughs) See, I said ha. I was laughing. You're right. That took the the edge off. (laughs) And then you wrote. My snarky attitude. It was one of those deep thought provoking ones. I wouldn't expect you to get it. I'm just kidding. You didn't write that. (laughs) I did not say that. You didn't write that. (laughs) I think I would have said that. That takes a second watch to get or something. You just sent a bunch of clown emojis. And wrote, that's not true. You're a smooth brain. Smooth brain. <laughs> you're you're a Jason Mendoza, not a Jason Sindula. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, folks. Um, uh, I, but either way, I I I'm I'm taking this lesson as being so profoundly impactful to, to Ahsoka, where I think she's I think she's gonna take the mantle of Jedi again. I think wow, she, okay. I, I think she walked away from it for the right reasons. She it, she walked away from it because she didn't want to go down the same path as Anakin. She was afraid of it. She never wanted to fight, and she was done fighting, especially when she at the Jedi Order that she was fighting with. I mean, those are some of my favorite Clone Wars episodes, like those where she's being turned on by that Jedi or Jedi Order she's yeah. fighting for. She's lost all faith in it at this point, and is still plagued by that in her life. She's still running. Yeah, and I think that's the point: is that she's not oh, man. the people. She's still running from this, and this has has taught her, you know, you can be a Jedi and redefine some of those standards. Take the lessons that yeah you've learned and build it build it back up. And, and you know what? It, it feels like a leap, um, and it feels like a leap of faith. And one of the things that I really liked in the close of this episode is another good place reference. By the way, what's that? actually a leap to faith Mm. anyway keep going Mm -hmm. (laughs) so they they find the pergil and the plan becomes that they're gonna put her ship in a pergil's mouth and they're gonna travel across the galaxy to a potentially a different galaxy to see if they can track down ezra rescue sabine etc yeah and hu yang asks her basically like how do you know that that's where we're going and she doesn't yeah and she says something like 
we could go anywhere. Anywhere is better than nowhere. But she's smiling and she's at peace with it in a way where to me it was like, ah, so she's found comfort and trust in the force again. Yeah. She's found some alignment with the force and where it may be guiding her that maybe she felt disconnected from for a long time. Yeah. Like the, the force was this thing that she could use and trust to a certain degree, but I don't think she really let it drive her destiny or her fate. Like she rejected that. And it felt like, yeah. And now she's sort of giving it back over to say, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm one with the force again, so to speak. I'm plugged back in. And I, I just trust that this is going to take me where I need to go. Yeah. And, and that feels like a big shift and she's, she couldn't be more at peace with it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of a sign that this experience, this lesson has been altering for her, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and by the way, and I love Anakin's way of closing that out. It was like, there's still hope, hope. I think it was yeah. the key word to use again for you yeah. yet. Um, and, and then he's gone, you know? I th and so getting back to your point, like this has profoundly changed her. Yeah. And, and it makes me want to go rewatch kind of the way she was being portrayed in the first couple episodes. Cause she was just, you get just felt so disconnected from Sabine, yes. from, from everything. And everyone kinda was kind of like, like burnt out and like really just, yeah. Distant. Yeah. And everyone was kind of commenting, like there's some that were just like, is this where Desario Dawson's performance or something like that? Like, no, it was actually, I, th I think, how she was intending to perform her. Yes, it was her performance, but that's how she was written. And I, and I think that's how she was portraying her on purpose. Yes, I think so. And so, yeah. So I, I, I think for the back half of this season, we've got Ahsoka back. We've got like the Ahsoka who has hope back. And we see the, why this is her uh, series, series too. Yep. Right. It's not just rebel season five or something. It's sometimes her we series. We finish each other's sandwiches. <laughs> I almost clicked the leave button there. <laughs> <laughs> That's the line. What are you talking about? Oh, <laughs> uh, I think on that note, we do need to end it. <laughs> that yeah. was a good one. <laughs> All right. Well, um, thank you for being a terrific bro host and always finishing my sandwiches. sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate you. Um, all right. Amazing couple of episodes. Amazing three episodes, I should say. I'm excited for part six this week. Um, yes. Less than 48 hours away from when we're recording this. A little bit longer for you because it's past your bedtime. You'll watch it past in 72. My... Yep. I'll watch it in 72 ish. Yeah. Um, but I hey, until... I'm a good friend. I'm a good friend. No, you are. You are. <laughs> um, I appreciate you. Hey, we'll be back <laughs> in a couple of weeks to talk about parts six and seven. And in the meantime, um, you know, please reach out to us. Let us know what you're thinking of the series. We'd love to connect with you. Uh, you can send us an email, the podcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a comment on this video. If you're watching it on YouTube, you can um, send us a message on X, which used to be called Twitter. At, Still not used to it. <laughs> me neither. At, at Starbros podcast. Um, or, you know, if you see us out in, in real life, uh, you can say hello as well. We'd love to, we'd love to see you. You yeah. know, when, when we were in the UK, people kept coming up to me and I was like, look, I'm here with my family. I just want to enjoy myself. <laughs> um, but people did keep coming up to me, you know, for what to ask me to take their picture. <laughs> really? Yeah. I don't know why. 
You just look like a uh, someone who takes great pictures. I don't know. I, I guess I look approachable enough. Did you have a camera around your neck or something? Maybe no, no. no. I don't even own a camera like that. But I didn't think you did. Like everywhere I went, people were like, "Excuse me," and I'd be like, "I I don't want to sign any autographs right now." <laughs> like, no, I just want a picture with my family, not with I'm you. Just a tourist like you. And they would go, "No, can you take my picture?" And I'd go, "Oh, yeah." Course. Did you say not if, unless you take mine too? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, but no, um, we, we'd, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we'd love to hear what you're thinking about these episodes. What do you think of our takes on parts three, four, and five? And what do you think's coming? What do you think's coming next? What do you think's, what do you think's uh, coming for the rest of the season? We'd love to know. But thank you, thank you, thank you, as always, for listening. Um, we appreciate you. And uh, we're already looking forward to talking to you soon. All I know is that I hope next episode is Thrawn. I'm ready for him. I, I think I'm, we're just about there. I think so too. And I we've built it up. Wait. We yep. it, we're we're not going to get him in episode seven or eight of an eight part season, right? It's got to be this next one. It's gotta, yeah. And and like, uh, you know, it's going to be good. I have a feeling it's going to be good. I have a feeling. Oh, yeah. He's not going anywhere that we're going to see his threat loom across the galaxy for a while. To totally agree. What's exciting about it. So um, cannot wait. Everything gone just said. Also, thank you. You're you're a pretty good bro, bro host, too, I guess. Uh, <laughs> did you go on mute? Would you... You're on mute. What are you doing? I can't I'm, hear you. I'm there you are. <laughs> I was just, um I was cursing because I know that you don't. Oh, know. oh, okay. <laughs> and you I'm have kidding. To keep this a family friendly podcast. Yeah, got it. I'm kidding. No, thank you for the kind words. We appreciate each other. Um, but no, and thank you to everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Thank you we for. Love you. Uh, oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> what was the thing I did last episode that got you to lose it? Or something. The yes, thing you're talking. You were talking about the little itty bitty ghost ship. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Lost it. That's what that's, Don't that's do that right. again. I won't do trying, that again. I'm trying to be serious. Um, no, I, I, I'll wrap it up for us because I know you got to get to bed. That's on time. All right. Yeah. Um, how do we go out? You know what we do. Oh yeah, we're 77 episodes into this. I know. It's a wrap. No claps. Oh, oh yeah. Feelings or I don't, whatever. Whatever. No. Right. Huh?